Let's just kick things off. It's Thursday, November 9th. It's Chapo back again. Felix and I are with you. But sitting in today is our good friend, Tom Sexton from the Trillbillies. Tom, welcome back to the program. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. About, about time y'all add a little intellectual heft to this Mickey Mouse outfit. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well... What, well, this this Mickey Mouse outfit, uh, we you know obviously we've been covering uh, you know uh, the the war in Gaza, but I just I don't want our listeners to forget that the American government is here for things other than just killing thousands of other people in foreign countries. Uh, we also have elections here in this country, and we have to uphold democracy uh, uh, at home as we support it and defend it abroad. So I would just like to begin today's show uh, talking about um, uh, the results of this Tuesday's latest round of elections. I have a headline for this. Okay, go um, for it. Okay. Glenn Youngkin orders career second controlled demolition. <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, Glenn Bumpkin's controlled demolition of uh, GOP control of the uh, Virginia <laughs> was it? Uh, Virginia state government. But uh, to, yeah, to begin, like yeah. uh, Glenn Youngkin's controlled demolition is is one way to frame uh, the results of Tuesday's elections. I would like to frame it thusly by sharing this tweet from the irascible, irrepressible satirist Joel Berry of the Babylon Bee. Yeah, put your laughing sort of- hats on. This is some <laughs> classic satire, some classic Christian satire. It's not just for Jews and black people anymore. <laughs> These people can do it. And so, uh, hold, you know, hope you got your hands ready because this one's a knee slapper. <laughs> I hope, yeah. Uh, get your knee pads out. You're going to really like this one. This is how Joel Berry is taking uh, Tuesday's election results. Quote, take comfort in knowing that God will avenge the blood of the innocent. Every knee will bow. No one will escape. Someday, the unrepentant abortionist will look across an uncrossable chasm at his own victims and beg for a drop of water to cool his tongue. I don't care who you are. That's funny. Yeah. Well, <laughs> wow. Wow. I feel I feel like what Eddie Murphy raw. <laughs> Is this Christian Eddie Murphy raw. I love this, um, not only for the groundbreaking satire, which, you know, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, that's hilarious. Um, I like that in their greatest fantasies, they don't have to do anything. God is just like, <laughs> okay, got this. Uh, uh, you win the election and we're killing everyone in Planned Parenthood. I would say that uh, that's uh, he's taken it uh, slightly less well than... Uh, Federal Energy Regulation Commission Chairman uh, Neil Chatterjee, who said on Twitter that uh, he and Andy Bashir had uh, crossed swords before, saying, <laughs> I went to high school with Andy <laughs> Bashir KY. Wait, Did y'all see this? No, 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 no. I was about to get into Governor Bashir, but yeah, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to jump ahead, but he said, uh, I went to high school with Andy Bashir KY. Have disliked him for more than 30 years. Parentheses. He used to date my wife. That said, <laughs> if Democrats are ready to bump Biden, a guy that just got reelected in Kentucky when every other Republican on the ballot won by 10 plus points, dot, dot, dot. It's pretty appealing. So he used to fuck my wife and, you know, you kind of have to hand it to him. <laughs> the nation's only Eskimo governor. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Tom, I mean, like to, to bring up Governor Bashir, who just uh, who just won his reelection in Kentucky, Democratic governor of Kentucky. I was wondering, like, uh, what, what your uh, 
what your take on uh, Governor Bashir is, because like any chance that I have, like any any awareness that I've ever had of Governor Bashir, I just got the impression that he was sort of like speaking of fucking wives. He was kind of like a Southern Gavin Newsom. That's sort of like the energy that I get from him. Is he kind of yeah. He kind of looks. He kind of looks like he would uh, truck a little Chinese kid in a game of pickup. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, that I, was great. By the way, I, by the way, that kid's feet were planted. That was absolutely <laughs> a charge on Governor Newsom's part. Yeah, go, where yeah. are the zebras? <laughs> Governor Newsom could not have you know, put up numbers like that against the uh, 95 Pistons. But uh, <laughs> uh, I I always thought that uh, a- uh, Andy Bashir he looked like, um, you know, those like um, Netflix uh, Christmas movies, the low budget Christmas movies that all star Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah, like Dolly <laughs> Parton's like, Christmas on the Square. Like the newer kind where it's like she's a big city bitch. <laughs> and then and now she's meeting a, a country guy who's uh, finally going to put a kid in her. And stop <laughs> thinking about her job. And it's called like home home in time for reindeer or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He looks like the love interest from that movie. That kind that kind of is his vibe. It's it's funny because I hear like behind the scenes he's like kind of tyrannical, <laughs> which is like no way doesn't really square with like that kind of howdy doody. Like sort of outward thing, but but he's he's pretty widely popular. I mean, like back during the pandemic, like a thing that happened in Kentucky was at four o'clock every Thursday, everybody would tune in with bated breath to hear what Andy Bashir was going to say about uh, Kentucky's pandemic response, and it was usually something like uh, hearing reports of uh, some people jogging without masks over at Woodland Park. Can't be doing that, guys. <laughs> and everybody, everybody just ate it up, just gobbled it up. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, you sort of juxtapose that with like him calling in the National Guard on George Floyd protesters in Louisville and getting uh, a guy that ran a barbecue shop there that kind of been an institution in Louisville uh, shot in the fucking head and murdered. Jesus. So it's, you know, oh, God. not all, not all good, obviously. But yeah, he is. Um, I don't know. He is, uh, I guess, in most people's minds, uh, you know, relatively inoffensive. Uh, and I think the thing now that people really kind of like is like it's like there's like this sort of Kentucky Democrat that's sort of harkening back to like the sort of New Deal era when like, you know, like eastern Kentucky, the mountains and, you know, West Virginia, who voted for Carter, you know, against Reagan was sort of one of the more reliable blue walls in the country. And I think like this election could kind of end up being a little insidious in that like some of those coal countries that were affected by the flooding last summer that Terrence and I came on here and talked about flipped big for him, including uh, Breathitt County, which uh, he won by 22 points. But uh, Matt Bevan, I think, had won by nine points or something like that the time before and is most famous for being the home of both Sturgill Simpson and J.D. Vance. <laughs> so really, oh, nice. really got their finger on the pulse of culture over there. Uh, Sturgill Simpson, one of my favorite actors uh, from, from shows such as uh, The Righteous Gemstones and films such as Killers of the Flower Moon. I think he's got a he's big great. future in Hollywood. <laughs> Kid's got a bright future. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I, want, I want to get back into Kentucky in a second. But just going back to that, uh, that hilarious tweet from Joel Berry, what I like about that tweet is if like you didn't follow the news or know anything about the election results on Tuesday, I'd like, what would you think you like, w- would this be the tweet of someone who is victorious in their cause or not? Like it's, it's impossible for me to tell. Not even that it's like, would the, is this about an election or like 
<laughs> Antichrist <laughs> just show up. <laughs> you can't vote your way out of hell. Yeah, it, it's like did Satan like he just, Antichrist just popped up and was like, okay, one world government time. Everyone get your barcodes out like that. <laughs> not like oh, the Republicans did really shitty in off year elections. Like it, it's incredible. But what I thought was amazing about that tweet. And the overall response, because there's been a lot of great meltdowns that we're seeing from this, is, okay, for the past month, we've seen guys who undeniably believe in God, right? I'm talking about the Kassam Brigades. Guys who, like, are genuinely, like, fearless and resilient, and their belief uh, bolsters their resolve, and they're running up and, like, fucking putting Semtex on tanks and like doing all this incredible shit. And those are, those are, that's how you believe in God. If you're in the Cassandra case, how you believe in God in America is like, wait, we lost the Virginia house of delegates. <laughs> oh, God's going to kill all of you one day. I'm not going to do anything, but like, God's going to really, Ooh, you just wait. And I like that, like, even in his uh, apocalyptic condemnation of uh, the 70 percent or so of this country that's in favor of uh, reproductive freedom. Uh, I like that, like, in his in his sort of ghoulish uh, imagination of how they'd be tortured in hell. It's just they're like, damn, I'm thirsty. I'd really like a drink. It's hot, it's hot <laughs> down here. God damn it. I, can I, can yeah. I, can I just, get, just a sip, please. It's like a really mean football coach's practice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Bobby Knight's down there with them. <laughs> Water uh, duty. R.F.H. to the K. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I, I guess the, uh, the I mean, like the, the, this this last round of elections on Tuesday, I mean, seems to was a, seems like overall a route for the Democratic Party. And it just seems to be like I all the analysis says that, like, it doesn't really mean anything in terms of a national election next year. But the results hold, certainly hold true to the last round of elections in the midterms last year, which is that abortion is the kiss of death for Republicans in nationwide. I mean, Ohio just passed um, uh, like a, a ballot measure to legally enshrine abortion in the Ohio state constitution. That is, for those keeping track at home, the seventh straight ballot measure since Dobbs um, affirming the rights of uh, the right to have an abortion at the state level, the seventh in a row. And I mean, like Felix, you've been talking about um, some, some choice meltdowns. Uh, I've been liking not so much the meltdowns, but this kind of the, the bargaining and the reassuring of one's own troops on the uh, abortion issue. I saw someone writing in the National Review the other day that compared pro-life voters to gay marriage supporters in the 2000s. And they were like, well, it wasn't popular then, but look where, look where we are now. Like, you know, they're like that being against abortion is like a sort of uh, a, a newer moral stance that people are going to take some time to warm up to and not like the same position they've had for 100 years. That's fucking incredible because it's like like okay in the 2000s did support for gay marriage cause like you know an incumbent party that was incredibly they had an incredibly unpopular president you know they were um lbjing themselves let's say they were thought accurately to be the author of a genocide and then that same incumbent president's party just defied all conventional political wisdom they just they like uh you know almost kept the house in the midterms they're doing this in off-year elections i mean it's what's gonna happen is there gonna be a new generation of people who are like 
I like it when nine year olds are forced at gunpoint to give birth. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Felix. I think part of like you know, Terrence and I were talking about this the other day. It's it, we were talking about like a lot of people just kind of secretly like sort of being weirded out by the, you know, a 10 year old having to carry a baby to term type shit. But like, whereas like a few years ago, I guess under Trump, when everything's sort of upside down, maybe they were like a little like willing to cast their lot with that bunch. And now it's like, they just kind of want some sort of semblance of, of, of normality. And they're kind of rightly <laughs> weirded out by shit like that. Tom, I've always felt that with abortion and abortion polling that like, I mean, pro choice obviously always like polls well, but even among people who call themselves pro-life, I feel like there is about like a quarter, maybe, maybe even more of people who, if you poll them, say they're pro-life, but when you press them on it, they're like, oh yeah, no, well, I'm pro-life except in cases of like, you know, it's a medical emergency or like a woman who's raped. Or and then you keep going down the list uh, or like, you know, she doesn't think it's a good time to have a baby or what like any they're actually like unconditionally pro-choice, but they just they're just afraid to outright say it. I feel like that's a quarter of people who say that. And like the numbers seem to be agreeing with that. The margins are far beyond what we were told is, you know, the national split uh, split of pro-choice and pro-life. Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. Man. Hell, I grew up in the Pentecostal church, really on the on the margins of of Christianity, and I would say that's right, man. Like even my mother, who was a Pentecostal Sunday school teacher, would would sort of I mean, she would sort of launder it through the well, you know, um, we might as well legalize it because people are going to do like home abortions and all that stuff, and it's unsafe for them and da 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 da. But really, I think they they held they hold those uh, you know pro choice views, but just sort of have to have that pro-life veneer for, you know, whoever their crowd is or whatever. Well, I, I think those results were borne out by the Ohio ballot referendum um, legalizing abortion in Ohio and then like invalidating every law passed since Dobbs in Ohio by Governor Mike DeWine and his allies. Uh, the, the data shows that like listen, this measure passed by double digits, as did many of the many of the, the, the previous six that I talked about, like Double digits in American politics today is like that never fucking happens. But what but what what the data showed is that like many of the people who voted uh yes um on this ballot measure uh went on to vote in the same election for Republican politicians who uh, branded themselves as pro-life. And I think like to your guys, to Felix and Tom, to your point, I think the pro-life position is one that's broadly shared in this country as long as it remains a total abstract philosophical principle and not anything that we're like is actually practic like practicable. And yes. then when like as, as you see, like as it's abortion is criminalized, you begin to like the practical realities of what that philosophical point of view entails. If you believe abortion is murder, that they have to be dealt with. And now we're seeing like at the polls, people are dealing with it in, uh, I guess, the, one of the few ways our democracy affords them. But uh, moving on from uh, uh, the, the overall results of Tuesday's elections, I'd like uh, Tom for you. I've got some, I've got some Kentucky stories for you uh, to Hell come yeah. out of the election. The, the the beginning of which is just a nice bit of local color um, headline: pole wielding man charged with interfering with an election. 
Authorities have arrested a man accused of wielding a flag attached to a fishing pole as he made threatening gestures to voters and damaged a voting machine at a Kentucky polling location. The 40-year-old Louisville man was charged with interfering with elections and tampering and destruction of a voting machine. Both are felony counts under state law. He was also charged with two misdemeanor counts of menacing. Now, what I like about this story is the detail of a flag attached to a fishing pole, which uh, to me doesn't seem like the most menacing implement one could bring to dis- disrupt an election. But hey, he gave it a try. What what pray tale was the flag? Was it? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny it was... if, it was, if it was like for a rebel faction in Libya. he's just he's just some guy who's really into that yeah is a a, a real uh, bathist coal miner or something like that (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, i mean regardless of what flag it was i do like the idea that like he was made to stand outside the polling area you know but then he was like casting it like a lure like he was casting (laughs) the american flag into the polling location to i don't know unduly influence votes (laughs) <laughs> he was trying to catch a voter get him out of there <laughs> trying to, try to catch the kind of person that would immediately pick up a flag an american flag if he saw it on the ground and like pick it up hook immediately in your hand you're being pulled out of that polling location <laughs> yeah. he was yeah that that is a lib move he would he was trying to like um lower a box over the patriot voter <laughs> <laughs> um, a lo- lo- local Louisville man arrested after <laughs> after c- baking a pie and uh, p- positioning it under a box with a <laughs> board holding up one side of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, Tom, uh, the guy the guy Bashir just uh, defeated in the governor's race is uh, a guy named um, Daniel Cameron. Um, yep. He was the he was attorney general of Kentucky. Uh, the, the, what would what was I mean? Were you aware of Daniel Cameron before this election? Is uh, how, what, what's his reputation in Kentucky? Yeah, like? for sure. He's he's a uh, Mitch McConnell uh, acolyte, a lifer. Actually, I think he actually went to law school, University of Louisville, on something called the Mitch McConnell something fellowship, whatever, whatever. And he played football at uh, University of Louisville too, which means, of course, that he's dealing with you know uh, perhaps some chronic traumatic encephalopathy, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, politically, of course, I think he's most infamous for, uh, you know, uh, covering up the Breonna Taylor murder and making sure the, you know, Louisville Metro PD during all that time was uh, not uh, not held to account. Um, well, I mean, uh, bringing up the Breonna Taylor murder, uh, this is another this is another headline from NBC News. Diners caught off guard as a GOP group aired footage relating to Breonna Taylor's death at a Kentucky restaurant. Uh, the article begins, diners at a Greek restaurant in Bowling Green, Kentucky on Tuesday night were subjected to police body camera footage from the night Breonna Taylor was shot and killed in her Louisville apartment in 2020, according to the local NAACP and restaurant patients, patrons. The Republican Women's Club of South Central Kentucky scrambled to find a new venue for an event featuring former Louisville police officer turned conservative author and pundit John Mattingly after the initial location for its dinner, the Bowling Green Country Club, said it would no longer host the group. Going on in the article, it says here, um, according to the Bowling Green uh, Warren County NAACP and restaurant patrons accounts, the lights went dark and patrons unaffiliated with the event heard and saw graphic descriptions of the incident that killed Taylor. The audio from that night could be heard throughout the restaurant through its speaker system. 
Case Johnson, who posted the account of the evening to Facebook, said that restaurant patrons were given no warning the event would take place and that it became so invasive we were no longer able to hear the people at our table and could barely see our food. Doesn't that just uh, sum it up, the current state of the party? <laughs> yeah. So, it's just, sorry, we sorry we showed the graphic murder while you were eating. Yeah, you're just, you're sitting down to have some uh, goddamn spanakopita or whatever, and you're fucking treated to goddamn snuff film. Yeah, that really is it. You know, was that the guy that was actually involved in the murder? Shoot, no, I don't think uh, John Mattingly was. No, this is a di- different different account here. Miles Cosgrove, officer who killed Brianna Taylor. That's right. Ram's car pulls gun. Witnesses say this is for the Louisville Courier Journal. So that's what he's up to. John Mattingly is really just ruining people's nights. Uh, like you said. playing loud snuff film footage uh, for a political rally for the Women's Republican Club. I mean, like, even if you were, like, on the side of the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor, like, like you said, Felix, like, not not exactly uh, like a a, a winning political message or or symbol here or like, you know, like to to advertise to uh, even even winning or unwitting patrons of a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's not quite as direct as that but like when you look at the virginia results like they kind of went all in on anti-woke stuff right and uh the electoral component of that is just going around uh making stump speeches and going into diners and being like look at this video of top surgery yes yes (laughs) it's like i don't care what you say on the phone uh, when they pull you, the guy doing that to you, the guy showing you all this stuff, you are going to think he's fucking weird. You are going to think his party is fucking weird. Hey, fellas, you know how like if you if you give someone your phone to show them a photo and your album on, and then like you immediately get that wordy in your head. Is there anything in my photo album if they just take it upon themselves to freelance and start swiping through my photos? That's going to be <laughs> terribly embarrassing. I was imagining like you know. Uh, GOP candidates, uh, you know, pitching at the local diner, you know, like uh, for the media or whatever. And they just like get out the phone to just be like, OK, I'm going to show you the Breonna Taylor body cam footage. No, that's Hunter Biden's dick. No, keep scrolling. That's April photos of his dick. Um, no, no, that, that, that's footage. That's footage of transgender. That's a gender reassignment. No, no, no that's video. Hunter's yeah. uncle's dick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, just you know, it's, it's in there somewhere. Okay, yeah, there is the body cam footage. Yeah, enjoy your eggs. Bye. Uh, next slide, if you want to see it, that is actually we used an AI model to depict what it would look like if Joe and Hunter had sex. If you'd like to see that, I would love to see that. But uh, uh, here's one more, uh, one more Kentucky story as it relates to uh, uh, Daniel Cameron. Uh, Tom, are you familiar with Daniel Cameron and his crusade for uh, to promote the drug Ibogaine? I, I am not. Are you familiar with the drug Ibogaine? I, that's the two part. Only because I'm not familiar with this with this medication. I am familiar. I did not know this about him. Yeah, it's actually I, quite. He, he saw yeah. the Law and Order episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just gonna read here. This is. Uh, from Rolling Stone, uh, the big money behind Kentucky AG Daniel Cameron's bizarre psychedelic drug crusade. 
Uh, it says here, when Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron announced this year that his office planned to take at least $42 million from state money and use it to fund corporate research for an experimental psychedelic addiction treatment, he caught many people off guard, including some of the officials tasked with allocating that money. The proposal to fund the development for alternative therapy Ibogaine and the continuing mystery of Cameron's decision immediately became a flashpoint in the state. Democrats and addiction specialists are particularly puzzled why Cameron and his allies are so insistent on studying Ibogaine, an obscure, unproven, and possibly perilous plant-based treatment that makes you violently ill and whose advocates include military veterans, Melissa Etheridge, Lamar Odom, and the original Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort. Oh my God, a murderer's row. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Ibogaine is a drug. I mean, I've, I've no experience with it myself personally, but it's a drug that's had a long history in American politics, beginning with Hunter S. Thompson's planting of his, his own rumor that Democratic presidential candidate Ed Muskie was a frequent user of the drug Ibogaine. Ibogaine, it's a, huh. I, I don't know if it's similar in effect, but it's similar in provenance to... Uh, like um, ayahuasca. It's an incredibly powerful yeah. hallucinogen that is used in like uh, sacramental rituals of indigenous peoples in South America and Central or South America, I think. But yeah, like, and, and it actually is kind of interesting. I, I saw a documentary about it being used for to help people kick opiate addictions. And that $42 million is coming from this huge, uh, this huge pool of money that Kentucky had like a settlement with a drug company over the opiate epidemic. But yeah, this this is a yeah, it's a it's a strange and a very powerful psychedelic that apparently like if used administered correctly, you can like kick an opiate addiction in like a in like a couple days or something with a supervised ibogaine. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, it it literally there's an episode of Law and Order where BD Wong takes a kid to Mexico to get ibogaine treatment. <laughs> so he can testify. <laughs> I but I, I have to say I like I would have never expected this. this no, I know. Like, this is it's very forward. forward no, this thinking. is very progressive. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there 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 is money to be made here. There's another detail in this story that I love here. It says uh, the Daily Beast's investigation into the people and entities behind this project revealed an intricate nest of political and corporate ties. Those ties include a sitting U.S. senator, a top GOP strategist, and a billionaire Republican mega donor who recently put millions of dollars into a group backing Cameron's faltering gubernatorial campaign. That Is it brother Harlan Crow, <laughs> brother Crow, exactly. No, this is. The mega donor is longtime conservative financier Jeff Yass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we know what this guy looks like. <laughs> it says Yass's firm sharply increased its investment in Ibogaine research around the time of Cameron's announcement, and executives at two of the firms Yass has invested in have rallied openly for the Kentucky program, including the public hearing testimony this summer. I mean, I. I think this is interesting because it's like, yeah, they have this huge pool of money that they like settled with uh, the Sacklers or something to deal with the opiate crisis in Kentucky. And I think it's actually kind of interesting that they're going to take or at least proposing taking $40 million and investing it into this like experimental psychedelic drug treatment. But I mean, I, I think like I, I think what we're seeing with the money behind this is that like if Ibogaine can become like the next um, sort of, uh, I don't know, gentrified hallucinogen, you know, like that they give like micro doses of psilocybin now that you can order online for your mental health. If they can kind of, um, you know, make corporate uh, this, or like produce this drug, I, I think it's like there's a big, big money here to be made in dealing with the opiate crisis in this country. And I think it's interesting that these guys are going to get their hands all over it. I think the way they need to roll it out is uh, Terrence and I used to live above this uh, suboxone clinic. 
And on Tuesday nights, for whatever reason, they were open really late. <laughs> and so sometimes you just have stragglers off the street come up to our apartment thinking that's where like the Suboxone clinic was. But they was just like people wrapped around the block. Here's how they need to roll it out is they need to get a guy that's named like Shane or something to just like take everybody in one by one and like make them lay face down on a bed, you know, and like cover their head with a towel or something and then take the. I don't know if Ibogaine's like DMT or whatever, but if well, it's administered it lasts that a way, lot longer than DMT does. It's like day day long of vomiting and hallucinating. That, so that's, that's, why that's, I, that's why I don't think it will be like, I don't know, like how shrooms have been, you know, turned into something normal you do. I just can't see like business guys doing this if, they, if they're not trying to like get off heroin. Yeah, like who, I don't who think is this is a drug you do for fun. I think this this is like a drug of last resort. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that is what's so funny about Hunter S. Thompson saying yeah. that, <laughs> yeah. that Muskie did this recreationally. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter Thompson, oh. another Louisville guy. <laughs> yes, no, no, proud son of Kentucky. Um, I guess like uh, another, uh, you know, Felix, you've talked before on this show about the um, the Chris Rufo agenda and how that's. <laughs> a poison chalice to drink from if you're a Republican politician. The other big uh, election result that I want to talk about is that at school board elections over the entire country, the Moms for Liberty slate absolutely ate shit or were voted out of office. Mo- Moms for Liberty, like, okay, this group popped up only a few years ago. Um, in that time, every presidential candidate, everyone who is serious about running for president on the Republican side has had to go to their stupid ass conference and like kiss the ring and be like, you guys are so important. You guys are really fucking doing something out there. And uh, now we have data of how they perform in their arena, school board elections, because this is a, they make it sound like it's a grassroots movement of like the most annoying people at every school board meeting across the country. Right. But really it's, just funded by people like Brother Harlan Crow. <laughs> uh, but, okay, bring it to actual school boards. It turns out, not just in uh, loony lib places, pretty much everywhere, the parents that have been subjected to these people for four years, get the fuck out of here. We hate you. <laughs> You're so annoying. What, like, I don't, why are you trying to show birth of a nation to my kindergartner? <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, no, this is in a this is in very uh, loony left districts like Buck Central School District in central Pennsylvania. And yeah, um, yeah, uh, was it uh, in Penridge School District? Democrats swept five school board seats. The previous Republican majority had asked teachers to consult in a on it to consult a social studies curriculum created by Hillsdale College, a conservative Christian institution. The board had also restricted access to library books with LGBTQ themes and banned transgender students from using bathrooms or playing on sports teams that correspond to their gender. Gender. Democrats in nearby Bucks Central School District also won all five open seats. That district had been convulsed by debates over Republican policies, restricting books and banning pride flags. Once again, it's sort of like, I don't think that this is like, in some sense, like a huge outpouring of support for like, uh, you know, left socially progressive values. But I think it is a huge groundswell of support against, as you said, Felix, the most annoying people on the planet. Where it's just like, you know, for, for a parent to think about, oh, like, uh, does, does, does this graphic novel about like a teenager coming out of the closet is transgender or gay or something? Is that pornography? I don't know. I don't care. I just don't want to hear about it. Please, 
just like is uh, right. I, I I don't want to make uh, like school board should not be like like the number one thing I'm having to think about. Right, right, right. And, and I think um, uh, learning reading and arithmetic. That's all. That's all I need to <laughs> yeah, care about. I yeah, and I think there's just um there's always going to be at least some strain in American politics and in American voters that if you look at one side telling everyone what to do all the time, you're automatically going to become repulsed by that. Like the, the anti-woke side has blazed past like the worst excesses of just like uh, nosiness of even the most exaggerated blue haired college student of 2020 that Ben Shapiro would argue with in a bill in a video, you know? It, yeah, it, it's just like the most obnoxious strain of American politics. Yeah. And like the thing is, like the the the, the crusade against the woke mind virus, like gains some purchase because like, you could point to instances of woke people behaving like scolds and hall monitors and even, you know, uh, demanding that certain books be banned. But like they've lapped that already and are going. I think wow. it's like in yeah. American politics, banning and indeed even burning books in some cases and some of these wild ass fucking parent <laughs> parent groups or whatever once you once the average american voter starts hearing about banning or burning books it's like your cause woke or anti-woke is fucking cooked and the thing is like right now like whatever you want to debate about like a uh, wokeness and its causes or uh, how severe it is it is very clearly one side that has gone absolutely all in on banning and book burning books and it's the moms for liberty side yeah yeah i mean like 2020 i think at this point people recognize that like it you know the movement was was good it started out good and then it like all things in america it got filtered into some incredibly goofy shit like famously uh gushers and their acknowledgement of the black experience in america or just like you know school like people at schools like like you said, you know, getting rid of books for increasingly like ridiculous reasons. But that does not even scratch the surface of how fucking invasive this anti-woke shit is. Like they've only been at this a couple of years and they are like neck and neck with canary mission as far as getting people fired. Yeah. And like, you know, the sort of thing that instigated the anti-woke backlash was like, you know, uh, college students who were like, oh, like, I don't want Milo Yabadabaduopoulos speaking at my university because, you know, like he he peddles hate speech and bigotry. Fine. But like the reaction against it is like is so much more broad, so much more all encompassing than like, do I want this dickhead uh, giving a talk or for money at my college campus? This is like the attempt to censor from the public record the concept of homosexuality. Like the, yes. the concept yes. of, of, of just not even homosexuality, just human sexuality writ large. Anything that even vaguely approaches that that topic, it can be is, is labeled by these people pornography and sent to the fucking pyre. Yeah. And let's compare like figureheads in both movements. Right. Like, OK, on one hand, you have Ibrahim Kendi. Right. And with him, it's like, OK, someone gave his like uh his project a bunch of money to like write more books and then they didn't do it or so like i don't give a shit a bunch of the anti-woke people were really mad at this for some reason which 
struck me as like, okay, do you want them to like write annoying books or not? Like, I thought you were against that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, anyway, like as a guy, he seems like fine, right? He's, you know, he wrote a, a book that um, is called Anti-Racist Baby. That's pretty funny. But like, just as a guy, it's like, he's got a family and blah, blah, blah. I'm sure he's fine as a guy. Then on the other side, you have Chris Rufo, who, as far as I can tell, this is a guy without a wife or children. I believe he is married. Oh, well, even so. I mean, just look at him. Yeah. Chris Rufo looks like, he looks like the kind of guy that would be sold a child in one of the later period Steven Seagal movies. (laughs) Man, it's, Rufo hits home for me. Like, like the guy literally hurt my life in the sense that he, he started this like big, Tanya, our former co-host, did this like, sex ed thing that was like really it was like a fucking zoom meeting that like kids could get on with their parents and like here's where you get condoms at and shit like that and totally innocuous he like caught wind of it based on like some like means tv video that she had done and like she had fucking people like giving her death threats and like sending her letters in the mail and all this crazy shit and then (laughs) like the local police got just turned into a whole fucking Shit show. So, not, might not be today, might not be tomorrow, but at some point, I'm going to smack the fuck out of Chris Rufoff. <laughs> at some point, his at some point, he, his tongue will be badly parched across an unbridgeable chasm, an uncrossable yeah. gulf, <laughs> as, as, as the, the the flames lick his his rump. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like that's a special aspect of this, right? That they are the hyper focus on specific individuals and like specific schools and specific classes like just the optics of that the optics of this giant group of awful assholes always singling out like one teacher you know or one class or this tiny school in vermont or something it it just that turns people off no matter what it is yeah, whereas like think of the think of the figureheads of uh you know like that that um inspired a a woke reaction against them you know like whether it's Milo or you know uh textbooks like you know uh uh should Niall Ferguson's book um the Indian genocide here's why it's good like uh, should yeah. that be on the curriculum you know these these are public figures with like institutional backing and a ton of money behind them whereas like exactly when, when, you know when when it's a oh uh, like th- this third grade teacher in Pennsylvania like has a photo of their uh, wife and like a woman who has a photo of their wife on their desk like it, let's burn her like let's let's destroy her life there she's grooming our children like and like yeah tom what you said it was like a video just like uh open to to parents and teenagers about like basic information about sexual health yeah, like condoms yeah. you know contraception things like that yeah totally I mean, bog you know, standard shit that you know you would have gotten school anywhere yeah or just like the, the acknowledgement that like gay people have sex and exist too and that like right. you know, like uh, gay like gay sex is a normal thing that like you should also be aware of i think um, that's what sent him over the edge in this instance but yeah yeah it, it's they, they also have the problem of like okay well what do you want you that's, know? Yeah, that's the thing. They can't answer that because like whether it's um, uh, g- gender critical studies or uh, critical race theory or whatever, at the end of the day, like you can't you can't ever nail them down on what they think is an appropriate curriculum, because what they want is, like I said, the complete banishment of the acknowledgement of like, I don't know, 
uh, black history in this country, uh, black historians or academics or writers or, or gay people of any kind. They would like to do, get rid of that writ large. And I think that that's just that that just isn't that's a losing proposition that just cannot be in for it cannot work. Nobody nobody wants it. I remember one, like a little while ago, like a few months ago, that like awful libs of TikTok woman. <laughs> she like was given a tour of of Fox News. And after the tour, instead of like, hey, had a great time, blah, blah, blah. She like added Fox News and was like, why did I see a rainbow pride? Oh, my God. I remember that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, lady. Does she expect Fox News, a a, a news corporation, a company of that size, not to have gay employees? (laughs) Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like that is literally what they want. They want no gay employees in anything. Nothing. They want like no books by black people unless it's like Thomas Sowell anywhere. Like they don't like like, like no sex education ever. And, and they know even they know those things are like incre- if you say that they, people they are like they can't say it out the loud. Fuck? They can't ever say yeah. it out loud. So they have to again. That's why if guys like Ibrahim Kendi make such good uh, like you know like because you know. It, it, his books are vaguely ridiculous and unlike a, you know, a kindergarten teacher, he's someone with, you know, some institutional backing and profile as well. But like they, they can beat up on him or like the, uh, some vague approximation of critical race theory because they can't ever just outright state what would they would like to be taught in the curriculum. Like I would like one of these moms for Liberty to just answer the question. How would you like, let's say a middle school curriculum to deal with the topic of slavery in American history? How would you like that history to be rendered in a way that is satisfactory to you? I mean, again, we go back to the idea that Republicans are having electoral issues because there's no they they literally seem excited at the presence of bad things. It's like the guys yelling crime, 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 crime. <laughs> like they, 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 they there's but at the end of the day, there's no solution or any set of ideas. They're just like like it fucking fire all of these people and make their lives a living hell let's get teachers swatted you know (laughs) yeah and you'll notice with these book bans like they began with like the like you know what was the bleeding edge of things like you know uh anti-racist baby or stuff like that or i i kept seeing this one graphic novel uh that you know featured depictions of uh you know uh, two transgender people having sex and like you know it was a drawn depiction of you know penetration so that's pornography so like they lead with that, but like they cannot even go a week before they start banning like Shakespeare. And one of my, one of my favorite examples, um, a, a teacher was fired for including a slide of Michelangelo's David in an art history lecture. Like Toni Morrison was getting banned. A Pulitzer Prize winner. <laughs> at, at that point, like, okay, what do you teach high schoolers? Like Clifford the Big Red Dog? <laughs> no, that's what Or may, maybe there's the women oh, he's in red? are wearing... How about the big white oh, dog? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Get rid of him. Uh, busy town. Busy town. Is there anything like too sexual in that? No. Women have jobs in busy town. Get it out of here. Get get rid of it. Get fine. Sorry. Busy town. It. I believe uh, portrays a a, a a woman a girl rabbit as a doctor. Fuck her. <laughs> Fuck her. Um, okay. Harold in the crayon. No. Wait. He's black. Get rid of it. <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, like. What do they do now? Because it's like this is the second election in a row uh, where they've just bricked directly on the entire project. The entire project has failed. 
And their reactions have ranged from, well, don't worry about it. God is going to kill all of them. To- <laughs> not even kill. Just just the bill, the bill will come due when they die eventually. Not necessarily violently. It's just of heart disease or, a, you know, a car accident yeah. or cancer or something like that. Yeah, uh, every like- knee will bow. All the yeah. haters will eventually become waiters in hell. Yeah, uh, it's like I've seen reactions from Republicans that like if they're not that they're like, oh, like we weren't annoying enough. In in, in trying to like, and I'm, I've I've been reading a lot of these reactions too. Like I, I loved reading the National Review after the um, Ohio abortion uh, ballot measure passed, because it 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 really reminds me of the way Democrats are talking about the thousands of people that they're killing in the Gaza Strip right now. Because like they see the public opinion is so massively weighted on the on against them. And it's never like, oh, is it the thing we're doing or the thing that we say we believe in that's making people upset? No, it's our messaging. We really need to refine our messaging here. Our message just isn't getting out on this. Or, okay, can we refine? You know, it's like for the Democrats, it's like, oh, they've got they've got a four hour humanitarian pause every day. That's a big fucking applause. I'm sure I'm sure Biden's approval ratings will uh, nip right around after that. And for the Republicans, they're like they've made all of their candidates sign these pledges that will be like, yeah, I would put a teenager in jail for ending a pregnancy. And then, like, yeah. Democrats run ads against that, and then they're like, "Wait, no fair! Our our messaging isn't getting out there. Our, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem with our optics or something. It's like, it's never the thing. It's, we're talking about with David Roth in American politics. It's never the thing itself. It's the way people think about or feel about the thing that you're doing, and yeah, that, like, yeah. oh, that must be the problem. Yeah. yeah, and they're also they're doing the thing that like um, Democrats and. Um, People who are ju- just can't believe people are so mad at Biden. They literally blaming like TikTok, like the the people. Oh who my god, are, the digital fentanyl, digital fentanyl. Yeah. <laughs> the people, the fucking people who like, you know, it couldn't possibly be that younger voters are witnessing something and are disgusted by it, and that twenty twenty one and and the offensive on Gaza now. These are the first. Uh, wars or military operations that Israel has conducted that aren't where the information outflow isn't totally controlled by, you know, conventional media and cable news. Uh, it must be that TikTok is bad, that it's actively radicalizing people. It's and the same thing here when Republicans brick on these social issues, they say, I mean, like we're fighting an uphill battle because fucking Frozen is telling kids to get abortion. <laughs> Well, uh, Felix, I mean, the thing of like the digital fentanyl thing that uh, Bovine Barry was uh, promoting about like the TikTok is the reason that like young people overwhelmingly uh, support Palestine and not Israel. And like that's Barry. But the thing is, like Barry is always pitching to her parents. Not to her peers. Yeah. And like for the, you know, I hate to use like the sloppy generational analysis, but like for the boomer generation, most of them are proud of the fact that they marched against the Vietnam War or they took a moral stand against their government when we were killing millions of Vietnamese people. And they like understood that that's their proudest moment. The thing that will constantly bring up to you if you ever disagree with them about anything. But the thing is like now that like another war is happening and young people are seeing like, tens of thousands of people be needlessly slaughtered with our money on like you know with our approval that they're like oh uh, like that's different than vietnam and like it's, it's actually tiktok is the reason that young people are overwhelmingly against war it's like yeah. it's, it's not hard to figure out like young people traditionally have in america been against war 
<laughs> right, right. And and there's at no stage any consideration that the White House made a misstep, right? Even if you do think TikTok is this like this dragon that must be slayed. It's <laughs> infecting young people with misinformation. It's, it's opium being given to our youth by the Chinese, the Chinese menace. <laughs> yeah, the, the Chinese menace is doing this. Uh, we're trying to develop uh, fucking um, digital Naloxone. We'll get there. But it, like, even if you are a pro Biden person, why can't you acknowledge that the bear hug strategy seems to have been a complete fucking misreading of the situation. You know, like a lot of the pro Biden people, they do acknowledge that like Israel is doing bad shit. They, at the very least, they do the classic thing, the classic conceit of left liberals in America, where it's like, well, Netanyahu is bad. You know, the one bad Israeli leader. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. In that event, like, wouldn't you agree that it was a mistake for Biden to closely embrace and preemptively endorse everything that Netanyahu would do. But no, there's just none of that. No, no one is ever responsible for their actions. Uh, It's just in all cases, whether it's that or like people not liking the economy, it's they're not good at reading the news. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Stancil, I knew Stancil was going to make an appearance. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) By the way, Felix, I love that you called him Wiener von Braun the other day. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing his rocket analysis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I wanted to give that one to free, give that one away for free to anyone who's arguing with him that you could uh, <laughs> call him Wiener von Braun. <laughs> Okay, uh, to close out today's episode, I've got I've got a story that that Chapo Trap House was born to cover, and that is I, I mentioned haters and waiters at the table of success in hell. Well, this one we're, we're talking back about New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who like, listeners to the show will know how much we love Eric Adams, but like imagine that love and how much that grows exponentially when I find out that he is now embroiled in a corruption scandal involving a Turkish const- a Brooklyn construction firm taking money <laughs> from the Turkish government and Erdogan's fucking fail son. <laughs> this has everything. It's got Erdogan, Eric Adams, fail sons. Uh, the fact that Eric Adams' chief campaign bundler is 25 years old. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, I guess he's not at the kids' table of success. <laughs> Says Eric Adams twenty. This is from uh, the city dot NYC. Eric Adams twenty twenty one mayoral campaign accepted donations from three members of a foundation incorporated by Bilal Erdogan, the son of Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, and whose board members include Erdogan's daughter Ezra. The campaign is at the center of an FBI probe looking into whether it conspired with the Turkish government to accept illegal foreign contributions. Not only that. But Eric Adams made a cameo appearance in a, tur- in a 2017 Turkish rom-com called New York City Mazali. And uh, basically two guys approach him as he leaves City Hall and ask him for political favors in Turkish. And then he says he can't understand them, but takes a selfie with them. Uh, <laughs> did, did either of you guys watch that clip? Somebody surfaced it and were yes, passing it around it's on awesome. Twitter. I, my favorite part of it is when he, uh, Ad- Adams says he can't understand them, but he's like, 
I love tur- Turkey. Many people say Brooklyn is the Istanbul of America. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. He's the king. You guys are from Turkey. Brooklyn loves Turkey. Brooklyn is the Istanbul of America. We love your food. We love your music. But I don't understand Turkish. We can take a selfie, though. Uh, but no, uh, so this was, um, th- this happened uh, th- basically on uh, l- last week, Thursday morning. Uh, this is from uh, Hellgate NYC. At 7.41 a.m. on Thursday morning, Mayor, Ad- Mayor Eric Adams posted a video of himself on a flight to Washington, D.C., where he was supposed to meet with members of the Biden administration at the White House to talk about asylum seekers. By the end of the day, the Times would be reporting that the mayor's 2021 campaign is now ensnared in a federal investigation involving a Brooklyn construction company, the Turkish government, and a conspiracy to sluice foreign money into the mayor's campaign coffers. Uh, Less than two hours after Adams touched down in D.C., his representatives informed reporters that, in fact, the mayor was on his way back to New York. Asked why, City Hall helpfully informed Hellgate that Adams was returning to, quote, address a matter. Is this the thing where he said, um, where there's smoke, there's not always fire? (laughs) Yes, yes. His comments comments on this, Tom, so brilliant. This is why he's the king. He says, sometimes when there's smoke, there's not always fire. (laughs) Just Just botching his idioms all to hell. Yeah. And I just love that because it's just like, it's just like one of the most well-known truism is where there's smoke, there's always, there's always fire. Not that there's sometimes fire, it's that there's always fire. <laughs> but um, the, the guy uh, who was, the guy who was visited by the FBI is um, uh, basically was like his, his biggest campaign bundler. And uh, she's uh, 25 years old. And also received it. This this is interesting in the in the reporting. Uh, she received a visit from the NYPD Internal Affairs Bureau an hour before the FBI interviewed her. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like, get, get, I mean, anyone who's familiar with the history of how the uh, Internal Affairs uh, Bureau uh, operates in New York City, they basically are like the, the NYPD's Stasi. And I mean. My guess is that they had a little they had a little uh, chat with uh, the, the campaign bundler before the FBI could uh, debrief them. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, another uh, interesting tidbit. The lawyer for Adams 21, 2021 campaign, whose name is Vito Pita, said in a statement <laughs> that the campaign has always held itself to the highest standards. The campaign will, of course, comply with any inquiries as appropriate. Mayor Adams has not been contacted as part of this inquiry. So that's from Vito Pita. <laughs> I have to say, like, if you are a corrupt municipal uh, politician or you're the aide to that politician, I can't think of a worse country to be involved with for bribery than Turkey. Yeah, you know how they are at haggling? Well, they're amazing at haggling, but like a lot of people... Uh, have been dinged for acting as unregistered foreign lo- foreign agents for Turkey in the last few years. Yeah. Michael Flynn, you know, clearly something the FBI is paying special attention to. Um, <laughs> I would suggest something like Paraguay, something that no one <laughs> yeah. would expect. Some of, the, yeah, some of like a million eyes aren't already watching that corrupt money pool from Turkey. I would just like as part of this deal with the Turkish government, I would like Eric Adams to just start talking shit about um, uh, Gulan and Innis Cantor freedom. I want yeah, Eric Adams to hold a press conference <laughs> where he just shits on Enos Cantor's career as a center for the New York Knicks. 
<laughs> former, <laughs> hey, full circle, former Kentucky Wildcat. <laughs> oh, excellent. Venus Freedom Canner. <laughs> We've disowned. Uh, and as long as you're talking about uh, crimes in the city of New York, I just got to like uh, go out with a, a few highlights from uh, Trump's trial that's going on right now, which is, I mean, again, who cares about this? But I have been enjoying the details of it, which basically amounts to the fact that he is like, fraudulently inflated the values of his companies and properties by billions of dollars. And like, they seem to have him dead to rights on this, but like the little bits of dialogue that I get from his cross-examination are some of the funniest things ever. Cause like, I, I have to, you have to admire Trump for just like the way that you think trials are supposed to go, at least, or at least I think trials are supposed to go from a <laughs> lifetime of being inundated with law and order propaganda that like, you know, once Jack McCoy gets you on the stand, you're you're burnt, buddy. You're done. It's like there, there is nothing that these guys can do to get him to stop being himself. And I'm just going to give you a few examples here. My favorite thing that happened in the trial so far is this Trump on the stand said, Aberdeen is the oil capital of Europe. Very rich. Which the judge that interjected irrelevant. And then he added softly under oath. It is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Felix, I like this one uh, under, under cross-examination uh, under, under uh, cross-examination who within the Trump organization was responsible for identifying and detecting fraud Trump everybody <laughs> <laughs> it's everybody's responsibility <laughs> well well um, you know I guess um, Trump is a fan of leaderless uh horizontally yes. integrated <laughs> organizations. It Occupy operates Mar -a -Lago. The same, Yeah. Yeah. Mar-a-Lago operates off the same principles as Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and lastly, uh, asked about Donald Trump Jr. Trump says he's a hardworking boy and then corrects himself, young man. And he's done a very good job as has Eric. <laughs> He's a very good boy. He's a very hardworking boy. I mean, everyone must work hard. I mean, everyone's everyone's uh, you know charter remit for the job is uh, be aware of fraud at all times. <laughs> be sober no, and be the, vigilant. The the fact that he valued the property of Mar-a-Lago at a billion plus dollars is so funny to me. This rinky-dink golf course in Florida is worth the, like Madison Square Garden or Wembley Stadium. <laughs> like, like that's the property values that you get for a billion dollars. His fucking golf club in Florida is, uh, I mean, just the audacity of that to value that property at a billion dollars is so cool to me. It's like Think not even like, his best golf course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Think about like what you could buy with a billion dollars. You could buy a pretty nice building in New York. <laughs> you could, you could buy one of Jared's buildings one. for that money. Yeah. Yeah. Like a billion dollars for Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> I <laughs> like is the Empire State Building even valued at a billion dollars? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's like, it's like uh like fucking Dollywood. Giving a billion for Dollywood. <laughs> Yeah, this this Six Flags Great Adventure is worth five billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, We're selling yeah. it to the Saudis tomorrow. Yeah, fucking Kings <laughs> Island. <laughs> like if if you're operating off like Mar-a-Lago being worth a billion dollars, then that means that like uh, mansion from the Netflix documentary that the couple turned into a castle at the height of the real estate crisis. <laughs> oh, Queen then, of Versailles. 
Yeah, yeah. That that would be worth one point two billion dollars. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't think the Coliseum is even valued at that. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit run down. You know, it's a dump, actually. <laughs> Put Eric Jr. in charge of it. Yeah, uh, well, I think that uh, just about wraps it up for today. Uh, we got some plugs, though. But before we do, Tom Sexton, Trill Billies, thank you so much for joining us. And hey, guys, thanks today. for letting me sit in with you. It's always fun. Love to see you. Our people pleasure. Want, yeah, if people want more, if people want more from Tom and the Trill Billies, what should they do? Uh, we're at uh, at the Trillbillies on Twitter, and go go hit that Patreon. Most importantly, um, and then lastly, uh, Chris, you have some business to conduct that our listeners may be interested in. Yes. Uh, hello. I put a blog post on the Patreon about this yesterday, so I think some of you will already know. But we have some exciting content news here at the Chapo Trap House Patreon, which is that. Hell of Presidents, Matt and I's uh, beloved, I will go ahead and say it, podcast history of the American presidency is finally coming home from Stitcher to Patreon. And over the coming weeks, we will be posting uh, every episode of Hell of Presidents in order on the Patreon. Those will be available uh, permanently for all subscribers. That's just free uh, bonus content and then also just keeping all of you know the Chapo Extended Universe in one place on Patreon. In addition to that, uh, we've got, we have released uh, our mini series from this year that is Hell on Earth and the two movie mindset series on Patreon's digital shop. So you can just buy just those series as digital files. Now, those are all available already to subscribers. So, you know, that would just be bonus if you want to have things in album form or as, you know, MP3s on your desktop. But also, you know, those are available to purchasers outside of subscribers. So if you enjoy any of those series, you know, do us a favor and tell a friend or post about that. You know, even if you aren't a Chapo fan or Chapo subscriber, if you're a history nerd or a movie nerd, uh, you can just buy those things and enjoy those because that's good, high quality content for those types of podcasts. So, um, you know, proselytize on our behalf. You know, the holiday season coming up, Christmas just around the corner, movie mindset, hell on earth. The perfect gift for dads, grads, and trads. Yes, exactly. And when you buy, you just get a zipped file folder of all those files, uh, easy to send to other people. Um, So enjoy uh, our our content gift to you. That does it for us today. Till next time, everybody. Bye bye. Bye. I said, Kentucky, keep on shining. Shine on them when it's gonna prove them true. Keep on shining. Shine on the one that's gonna let me blue.